0: This is the Road We Travel, a production of Drive Smart Virginia. The subject of this installment, distracted driving.
1: It's just been a heck of a year. So we're all we're busy, we're worried, we're thinking a million things and we're behind the wheel. We're on our phones. You know, it's it's just a recipe for disaster.
0: That's coming up on the road we travel. Our guest is Jennifer Smith, the co-founder of StopDistractions.org. Jennifer, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Let's start off by talking about StopDistractions.org and what the organization does and how it started.
1: StopDistractions.org is basically a network of victims' families all across this country, people who have been impacted by distracted driving. What led me to start this organization was back in 2008. Um, I was a real estate agent, so I mean, I typically used my phone when I drove. And But then I got a phone call one day on September 8th that my mother had been in a car crash, mm. and she did not survive. And it turned out the driver admitted at the time of the crash, he never saw the light and he never saw her car. He was on his phone when he was driving. And so that immediately made me want to understand why, you know, we all used our phones back then. In 2008, I did not text and drive, but, you know, I did use my phone, put my headset on and I would drive to do my job. I never thought twice about it. And so I started looking into it and I saw that these crashes had been happening and we really just hadn't heard much about them. So I wanted to reach out to other families like me to see what we could do. And I really modeled everything I do after the Old Mothers Against Drunk Driving, how they started, and that those victims' families could really be the change. If we could make other people understand what we went through over something that's so preventable, that maybe they they would stop doing it. You know, I I took pictures of the seat that my mom was sitting in that was twisted and mangled in that crash. And I just wanted to show it to people and say, put someone you love in this seat and tell me, is that phone call, is that text message, is it worth it? And reaching out to those other families, they all wanted to do the same thing. And so ever since that day... It's families all across the country and and then other supporters, you know We we have other people other groups other advocates that work with us that support us that we want Just want to make a difference and change the culture of distracted driving
0: Is that networking jennifer part of the healing process for you and and others with your group?
1: Yes And that's the big thing. It's we have to do something and It's a ear, a shoulder of support that we can share what we're going through and they understand. But then also we learn that when we go out and we share our stories and when we go out and we do fight to make a difference to save others, it becomes a part of our therapy. And it does it. It's what helps us, empowers us to move on. A lot of people always say, you know, oh, that must be so hard to have to, you know, to tell the story over and over. And, you know, many of the advocates say, you know, it, it's a blessing to be able to talk about my loved one, yeah. you know, but we just want to share their stories so this doesn't happen to someone you love. You know, I don't want this to happen to anyone else in my family. I will do anything I can to help prevent this from happening. Because again, I mean, it, it's not worth it. And so, yeah, it it's, it's become that, for so many of us but you know and I don't want the other families that don't get out and think that they're missing anything because you know sometimes it's not for everyone you know getting out in front of a crowd and speaking isn't always what's best for you but that's where you know maybe we just are a bit of support for each other I, I've connected many families that have similar stories you know just so they can be a support or that are in similar areas and I've seen some friendships bloom that really help each other and get through this so yeah there, there's so many benefits to our mental health to our recovery and our healing and that's definitely one of them
0: well i don't want to put the cart before the horse but while i'm thinking of it go ahead and if people are interested in checking out your website and you know just taking a look at the organization what's the web address how can they get in touch
1: um you go to stopdistractions.org on the internet. Um we also are on all of the social media outlets, um YouTube. We have videos of previous events of our families sharing their stories, um, Twitter, distraction, ADV is our handle. Um, We also have on Facebook, you know, we have our main page, which is stopdistractions.org. But then some of the work that we do is also working to change policy. And we work with these families in each of the states to strengthen the distracted driving laws. And so there could be, you know, if your state does not have a law, most likely we have a page, for instance, in Virginia, It was hands-free Virginia when we worked on that law. And so that way we can really micro-target the states that we're working on and share those specific stories to the state.
0: You've helped get distracted driving legislation, anti-distracted driving legislation passed in several states, including Virginia. Virginia recently passed a law making it illegal to hold uh, communications devices, how they turn it, but, you know, basically a smartphone while you're driving. That's already in effect, but enforcement begins January 1st. For those of you here in Virginia listening, that's when police will start pulling folks over. It's a primary law, so if they see the phone in your hand, they can pull you over. Virginia wasn't the first state to pass a handheld phone ban. Does research show that these laws work? Have they been working in other states that passed it, passed similar laws before Virginia did?
1: Yes, they have. And that's really where the tide has turned for us. Before um, there was an analysis done back Georgia started working on upgrading their law from texting to hands-free. And they were able, they analyzed like the 15 states that did have distracted driving laws. And he was able to conclude that there was about an average 16 to 20% reduction in fatal crashes within one to two years after those laws were in effect. But then the technology is constantly evolving. And so we've had to really work to keep up with the technology and make sure that the law lists all the uses that will come in, which is why we have finally got to the point that we understand if the phone is in your hand, you're in violation. So that's made enforcement easier. There's no more loopholes. Oh, well, I was just dialing or I was doing this or that. It's very simple. In your hand, you're breaking the law. And so, for instance, in Georgia, they had seen a 34 percent increase in fatal crashes in the years leading up to us working on this law. They formed a study committee through the legislature where they went and studied this issue through the fall, issued a report saying the best thing to do to curb the epidemic would be to pass a law with the education and enforcement to go with it. They did that, and since that time, we have telematics data showing that drivers are typing and swiping on their phones less. The day the law went into effect, 20% less, and it's continued to trend downward, and that has led to a reduction in fatal crashes and, fatal, in, you know, crashes and fatalities. I think looking 18 months after the law, the last time I looked at the data, they were down about 7% overall for fatal crashes. But then when you look at those vulnerable road users, there were much more significant declines. Bicyclist fatalities went down 30 percent. Intersections, lane departure crashes, younger drivers, those all went down over 10 percent. And so it's getting the law out there and seeing it work. And then following that, both Minnesota and Tennessee also had passed those laws and looking about six months after their law had declined was the last time I looked at data before COVID happened. Um, we were able to we were seeing declines in those areas, too, you know, anywhere from four to nine percent in fatalities and crashes. And so we're starting to see that progress. And again, on, on the laws, we also kind of got to the tipping point on the laws a couple of years ago. You know, the public is in support we do polling statewide polling in every state that we go into and the polling is showing a high 80 to 90% support across the board for these laws and it's basically we all know we have a problem we all know we are always on our phones and so we know we need this law to stop this from happening and so it's it's kind of just the recipe of all of it together just like the history of traffic safety with education and awareness A good law with strict enforcement and technology and engineering solutions to help such as the apps or do not disturb and things like that we are seeing reductions in crashes
0: well when I was a kid it wasn't unusual to see somebody drinking behind the wheel you know like a Saturday afternoon at a stop and I'm I'm old okay sitting at a stoplight you look over and somebody would be drinking a beer on a Saturday afternoon that wasn't nobody flipped out and called the cops right that's not the way things are now. Back then it was illegal to drive drunk, but it wasn't illegal to drink while driving. The social norm has changed. Now that's not acceptable. If you look over and see somebody drinking at a stoplight, you you know, you're probably going to pick up the phone and call, well, hopefully you'd pull over first, but call the police and say, "Hey, we got somebody out here drinking while they're driving." The social norm has shifted. Are we at that tipping point yet? I know you were, you know, mentioning some numbers and stuff, but are we really as a society at that tipping point where it's unacceptable to use your phone while, dr- you know, fiddle with it while you're driving? Because we're really good at identifying it when it's the other person, you know, the person that leaves you sitting, the green light comes on and they're sitting there doing the stoplight prayer, you know, they get their head down and you wait and the light turns yellow and you honk and they take off and they leave you stranded at the red light. We're, we're real good about pointing the finger at those folks, but we tend to make excuses for our own phone use, you know? Yeah. Are we at the tipping point yet where that's going to become unacceptable?
1: We're working on it. (laughs) I mean, I think all the campaigns are working to make it socially unacceptable. And yes, like you said, it's no one else can do it, but I can. And so that's kind of where it's a little bit of a conundrum, I guess, because it's we still don't look at ourselves as not being able to do it. So I don't know if we've really reached that point where we're gonna say, oh great, now everyone thinks this is wrong. I mean people in the car are starting to speak up when the driver is on their phones. you know you see someone driving, you're yelling at them driving, but then you'll pick up your phone yourself. And so, We need to do more. We do need to socially stigmatize this, that it's totally unacceptable by anyone at any time. But then also we're up against something I fear that we've never seen, and that is the addiction to our cell phones and what is happening in our brains that we're having a hard time controlling. And bringing COVID into this, when we all went into lockdowns, our entire lives became through our devices, right? You know, we were on our work calls, we were trying to stay in touch with family, we were on social media, just to have a social connection. We ordered our food from apps, you know, everything we are doing, we are, you know, if you look at your screen time increase, I'm sure it's increased a lot more than what it was a year ago. Sure. And so that's, that's feeding that dopamine loop in our brain that is making us more and more addicted. And so I fear That now when we're getting behind the wheel, even the best intended driver that does not use their phone while driving is slipping up and using their phone behind the wheel because they're just not even thinking about it. It's your it's a habit now. It's not a choice. You know, you get in the car, you hear the ping, you grab the phone. I mean, it's our brains are doing it. And we're starting to see this in our telematics data showing that there is a significant increase. Um, a company called ZenDrive looked at one month before we went into lockdowns and one month after, and they were able to see a 38% increase in drivers' cell phone use while behind the wheel. There were less drivers on the road. Maybe people were thinking, "Oh, I could be, more, you know, do something more risky because no one's out here. Enforcement's probably not going to catch me." But then it's also, you know, we're feeding that addiction all the time. And now I've just recently seen a new statistic coming out from True Motion Telematics that they've shown that there's been a 50 percent increase in non-call distracted driving with our devices behind the wheel. And so, again, I think, you know, these people just aren't thinking they're using their phones. It's becoming natural. And and there's so many more uses. We're seeing drivers take Zoom calls while driving. (laughs) Drivers are. Watching Netflix and, you know, streaming shows, they're live streaming on, you know, as influencers while they're driving. People are just doing things, not thinking about the safety. But that's where also these laws do come into effect. We are trying to write these laws so they cover a lot of these behaviors. You know, in many states, it is illegal to be watching a video or streaming a video while driving. So, you know, you're endangering your life, you're breaking the law, but also your company could have liability for that as well. And so we all really do just have to sit down and think to ourselves, do I need to be taking this call while I'm driving a three to four thousand pound deadly weapon? You know, it's just not safe. And we're setting a really bad example And it's going to take everything we have to overcome this addiction because we're still going to be on our devices for everything else we're doing during the day, but we just need to be off them behind the wheel.
0: That brings up a good point. Companies, employers, should have a strong and acknowledged cell phone use policy because if someone is, let's say, checking their corporate email while they're driving and they rear-end somebody... The, the employer could get dragged into litigation because the employee was doing something work-related at the time of the crash.
1: Yes, that is correct, and there are countless lawsuits that show that is true. Companies must have a policy that bans pretty much all cell phone use by drivers, or they could be liable in that instance. And it has to be a policy that is enforced as well. You know, these companies can't just have a policy in name only. They actually have to enforce it and show that, you know, there are consequences for these actions in order for a court to, you know, say they're not liable. And another thing on corporate policies is they need to apply to everyone you know you have to have the buy in so you can't allow the sales team to use the phones but this side can't you, know, right. you can't allow executives can't have an exemption to this policy when the sales team doesn't you know this has to be from the top down and and those policies also help you understand that you know it it has a ripple effect throughout the entire community it through the home through the family and that that makes it a lot safer for us all. And one thing that these companies that are instilling these policies don't do realize is that it's not affecting productivity. That's the big thing you get in response is, oh, well, I'm not going to be as productive. I'm not going to be able to do my job because I can't be on my phone. But that's just statistically not showing out. Many companies are showing increases in productivity or it being the same because when you're on the phone while driving you're neither, doing neither task well.
0: Right, exactly. How you know how much thought are you putting into the message you're sending or the conversation you're having with a client if you're also driving at the same time? You're really not giving either one 100% effort. And I think if I were a client, uh, I I'd be a little insulted that I was so unimportant to the salesperson or who have, you know, whoever that they were going to just, you know, take my call while they're driving because was ah, just this guy, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. And you don't want to be on the other end of that phone. I mean, what if something happens? That's another thing that we've seen. You know, there has been lawsuits in this country that have actually been upheld in appeals that, in, in the case of texting, some with calls as well, that sometimes the person that is sitting at home on their couch texting that driver if they can prove that that person knew the driver was driving and they continued to text them, that person can also have liability in that crash.
0: That's an eye opener.
1: So that is, yes, very controversial, really is. but it it is, it's just like the bar owner that keeps serving alcohol to someone that they know is drunk that they let then go outside and drive home. You know, it's, it's that layer of, you know, liability. And we all really do have a responsibility to speak up, you know, and prevent this from happening to someone because you don't want to be responsible for someone hurting themselves, killing someone over simple as simple as a message that could have waited.
0: And going back to the addiction part and the dopamine I heard, and I wish I could remember who I first heard use this analogy, but it's kind of like a slot machine, social media, especially you post something and maybe nobody reacts. And then you post something and nobody reacts. It's kind of like pulling the lever on the slot machine. But then you post a cat video and suddenly you get like 50 likes and that's that, you get that hit of dopamine, like, ooh, that's cool. And that mm-hmm. gets you to pull the lever again and again. How ridiculous would it look for people to be driving along on, say, I-95 here in Virginia playing a slot machine, you know, walk, You know, it's sitting in the passenger seat there, messing with a slot machine. It's the same kind of thing. You're taking your eyes off the road. You're taking a hand off the wheel. Your focus is distracted, and and we're hurtling along at 60, 70 miles an hour, whatever hopefully the speed limit is, uh, in these ton, multi-ton vehicles surrounded by other road users, some of them very vulnerable, like motorcyclists and pedestrians and bicyclists, totally oblivious to how dangerous the behavior is until it directly affects us. I was thinking about it this morning. I don't think many people wake up and one day go, I'm going to get into traffic safety advocacy. The, The folks who didn't start off in traffic safety as a profession, I suppose, for the most part, at least those that I've met, have a personal, very personal reason that they are so committed to making a difference. And it's so clear to them. How dangerous some of these behind the wheel behaviors are. And when it directly affects them, it just becomes so obvious how incredibly stupid and dangerous some of these behaviors are. I just wanted to put that out there. I mean, it just occurred to me that we're, as drivers, can be so oblivious to the ridiculousness of some of the things that we do. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, and back on that addiction thing, like you said, um, we had one of the app developers come and speak at our big highway safety conference a few years ago because he does exactly what you're talking about. They are using artificial intelligence and neuroscience to build that dopamine system in our brain. It's the surprise element of when we're going to get that hit of dopamine, you know, all of those likes or all of those comments on our post, you know, it's the feedback we're getting. And when it's positive coming at that surprise of a time that makes our brains even more happy. And so we are coming back for, you know, we keep going back to the slot machine. We keep pulling it again. Ooh, are they going to like me more now? Craving that next dopamine hit. Which then creates this cycle. So then your brain has decided whatever's, whatever's coming with that notification on that phone is more important than the task at hand at driving. And we're not even aware that we're reaching for the phone, our brain is just doing that out of habit. And so I'm hoping people will understand That we can take control of this back. Um, I, I have no connections whatsoever, but there's a really interesting show on Netflix now called The Social Dilemma. And this really gets into how this technology is being used in this way. And the notifications we are getting, they are exactly the same types of dings and bells and whistles that you hear in a casino. Oh, yeah. And that is what's feeding our brain. And so that, again, is why COVID, us being on these devices, doing so much, I think, Personally, I feel that we have fed years of device use into a small six-month period of time, which has accelerated our addictions, which is why we are on our phones 50% more behind the wheel. Plus, it's just been a heck of a year. So we're all, we're busy, we're worried, we're thinking a million things when we're behind the wheel, we're on our phones, you know, it's it's just a recipe for disaster. So I'm hoping if people will understand why we're so addicted to our phones, why you're reaching for it behind the wheel, then maybe they'll want to do more to stop it by using Do Not Disturb, by downloading some type of app or something that will hold your calls and text messages and stop those notifications because that's gonna be the first step. If you know, the notification is what's making you want to check, you can't resist to see, ooh, who messaged me, who talked to me, who wants to talk to me. So removing those notifications can be a step, but people need to understand it's not gonna be easy. I mean, as victim advocates, we also, I'm very honest with being everyone on, on the path for me to get off my phone. And it wasn't an easy habit to break you know i would be on the phone 12 hours a day researching how dangerous this was to use your phone while driving i'd get in my car start driving and i would immediately reach for my phone to oh i need to call so and so and then i oh wait what am i doing yeah. you know it was a good 3 to 6 months before that temptation to reach for it was gone and so it's and that was after losing my mother and working in this and educating so it's not going to be easy but it's something we all have to do And as parents, setting an example for your children, they're watching you. You can't say, do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, that's so important. This is, is yeah, this is everyone. And those children need to know to speak up. You know, if you are in the car and your parents are on the phone, you do need to speak up for your safety and for their safety. You know, it's, this is really, we've all hands on deck. We have to do everything we can to prevent these crashes from continuing to occur.
0: As somebody, you know, I, I come from a broadcasting background and now I do public relations. I understand how social media platforms work. Social media platforms, I'm, I'm talking about Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, anything like that. They don't create content. The users create content. And if they didn't have users coming back and putting in more and more content and trying hard to get more likes and more traffic, they wouldn't have any advertisers, <laughs> So mm-hmm. it's built to feed that uh, dopamine addiction. It, it's, it's built to create a feedback loop. It's, it's made to make you want to hear that ding and have that Pavlovian effect, you know, where you've, you've got to pick up the phone and, and see maybe that, that ding means somebody was liking my, my last cat video or whatever, you know. Right. They don't create any content. They depend on us to do it and and we mm-hmm. they've conditioned us to be searching content and adding content all the time it it's like a a James Bond villain couldn't have thought of a, a a more sinister plot you know
1: yeah and that's where i feel that you know app developers do need to keep this in mind when they're developing these apps they need to put these lockout mechanisms in their apps for people using them while they drive to prevent that from happening to the from the beginning like for instance pokemon go when that first came out I don't think they ever thought that people would be using this while they are driving their cars. But when <laughs> it came out within one week, they were like, oh, no, people are using this while driving. This is really dangerous. So they had to put a patch in to make it so if you were moving at that speed, it, you know, froze it up. But they're not thinking at that, you know, and we have apps that turn on all our appliances at home. I'm sure those people weren't thinking, oh, no. Someone could use this while they're driving. Sure, but the, but because it's just turning on the lights, you know, turning the microwave on to start dinner. But people could be using that while they're driving because they're doing everything while they're driving. So yeah, and then also, I mean, these social media companies when when they see that the content these people are posting is them live streaming while driving. You know, put some type of notice up there to say, you know, this isn't safe. You know, something.
0: Yeah, what did Instagram? It was Instagram or one of the other photo posting apps. It had it was using the accelerometer in the phone to determine your speed, and it was posting the speed you were traveling in the picture. And people were deliberately speeding and taking selfies. And the, yeah, finally, yes, Snapchat. Snapchat. And finally, somebody <laughs> at Snapchat apparently went oh, this is bad. Let's not, you know, and I think they took that feature out because it was getting ridiculous.
1: And that that's something we just, we all have to think of every day. I mean, and that's the other thing I also tell people with distracted driving that this impacts everyone. I mean, you don't even have to be a driver. You don't even have to be near, you know, walking on the road outside and you could be impacted by this. And what I mean by that is, how many times have we heard a car flew into a business? A car drove into this person's house while they were sleeping in their bed because they were distracted? This is an issue that affects everyone at any time of day, anywhere in this country. You know, I grew up like, like you back in the olden days, a <laughs> long time ago, with the drinking and driving, and I was even from the South. But it wasn't something that, you know, you saw 24 hours a day, 365 days a year.
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It It was
1: late at night, weekends, holidays. But now it's five o'clock in the morning. People are driving to work and they're on their phones. Who are you talking to? What are you doing? Like, but it's everywhere.
0: Well, it's the insidious, almost Russian roulette nature of it, where the first first time you try to send a text because for whatever reason you think it's important while you're driving and you send it and you're like oh okay nobody died nope there was no crash and you sort of self-condition that well I got away with it that time I can get away with it this time and pretty soon you start to build this confidence that yeah, I can do it this isn't that hard where if you thought about it objective of course it's hard. It's like closing your eyes and driving blind for a um, hundred yards. It's insane. You'd never do it, except that the you know, the insidious nature, the way we're conditioned, makes us think that we can do this task that is statistically impossible until something goes wrong. And it's inevitable that it will go wrong, whether it's rear ending someone in traffic, because it's stop-and-go traffic, the car in front of you starts moving, you look down at your phone, and boom, the car in front of you stopped and you rear-ended them to something much, much worse that can be life-ending or life-altering for, for you or, or someone else. But we, we just we get away with it, you know? And, and that's the insidious thing about it. It kind of lulls us into this false confidence.
1: Yeah, and I think this is a good time for me to dive into the hands-free conversation of that false confidence, because at least when we're texting or we're posting something on our social media while we're driving, we at least know we're distracted. You know, we know it's not safe, but we're doing it anyway. But when it comes to these hands-free conversations, that's where a lot of the myths are coming along. So as advocates and families that have been impacted by this, yes, we support hands-free laws. But that does not mean we are saying hands-free is safe and we are saying you should use hands-free. We are saying that because we are clearing up the law where if for enforcement and to change and the biggest use of our phones right now behind the wheel is other uses than talking. And so getting that phone out of the hand clears the loopholes. If the phone's in your hand, you're in violation. But hands-free is not risk-free. And the driver that took my mother's life was talking on his phone. He never saw what was in front of him. He never saw the light. He never saw my mom's car. He had been driving for less than a quarter of a mile and on his phone for less than a minute. He did not see what was in front of him in order to react, even though he was looking at it. And that was because his brain was unable to process the information he was looking at. Your brain can't do those two tasks at the same time. And so drivers will say, oh, well, you know, I use hands-free all the time. And I've done it thousands of times. I've always made it home safely. There you go. Until the time you don't. Right. Until the time you don't see what you need to react to. Because I think there's that same statistic for drunk drivers. There, They drive a certain number of times before they actually get into a crash. But that doesn't mean you should do it. Because it's always that thing that you need to react to that you don't even see. So you don't. And so we all have to be conscious of what we're doing. And yes, is that phone call really worth it? No, it's not. On the other side of that as well, you know, you may not lose your life or you may not get hurt or injured, but put yourself in the shoes of the man who took my mother's life. He has to live with that. It changed his life. We actually became friends afterwards and talked about it. And it was hard. He knew he took someone's life over something that wasn't important. And so you've got to to think about, you know, on both sides of it, would you want to live with yourself knowing you did that? And just don't make the excuses. We can't do it. You know, we shouldn't do it. It's not safe. We really just need to put our devices down completely behind the wheel. But in order for enforcement purposes, yes, we do support hands-free laws so we can change the culture around this
0: behavior. It's just one layer of this horrible onion, you know? Driver driver distractions always been there. Always. From the Model T, there have been distractions for the driver. It's just now there are so many of them. And the phone is just the most uh, egregious one because it, you've got the visual distraction, the manual distraction, and the cognitive distraction of, of using the social media and stuff like that, or even making a phone call. But also the infotainment systems in vehicles now and eating and driving and applying makeup or, you know, shaving we get away with it a few times, and then before you know it, it just becomes part of our regular behavior. Even though if we looked at it objectively before the first time we tried it, we go, No, that's crazy. I can't do that. <laughs> but we do yeah. it. We do it. So these laws, you know, it's not the government getting into your vehicle and telling you what you can and can't do. It's just a reminder that, look, here here's one layer that's just ridiculous. You, you can't use your, your phone while you're driving. You shouldn't use it at all. You shouldn't be having a conversation while you're driving with somebody who's not in the vehicle. You know, you, these are, are things that should be common sense. But these laws are just kind of where you draw, draw the line that this is where society says this is way out of bounds. You can't be sailing along, looking at your cell phone, cruising social media while, while you're driving a vehicle. We just don't accept that as a society. And that's, that's why we have these laws anything that takes your focus off the task of driving is distracted driving and you shouldn't do it
1: and that that makes me want to bring up virginia again and their law
0: how is you know, how I, is virginia's law how would you rate virginia's law compared to say georgia or or another state how did we do
1: you know you you take a little bit from each one and it, you it expands on that I mean you the the Virginia law you guys are going to be a real leader now in the environment that we are in because all the additional provisions that were added in there to satisfy everyone that sat down at the table to do a good law to save lives the Virginia law was devised to do that specifically there is you know like you said your law is in effect but it's not being enforced until january
0: yeah there's a good reason for that yeah
1: yeah you guys sat down and knew there needed to be a good education for your drivers for the public for law enforcement everyone needs to be educated okay now how is this going to work why? You know, how is this? How is enforcement going to happen? So that extended education period was good for everyone. You know, then also um, I know everyone. The officers got some implicit bias training. Yep, that is amazing. And for this political environment and where we are as a country, that needs to that that's a great move forward.
0: And this was then, included in the law, but, sorry to interrupt, but this was included it, in, in the, the law was drafted before this environment became as heated as it is now. It was correct. this equitable enforcement was was built into the law because there that concern was recognized. Some people were concerned that police could use this as just another reason to stop people of color elements of the law were were put in there deliberately to make sure that that couldn't happen and and that it would be reviewed every so often to make sure that the enforcement wasn't targeting anyone specific and the education at all. It was a very well thought out law in those regards.
1: As well as also in that law was special, specific distracted driving enforcement training that was developed and just completed, you know, recently. So, That law has so many things into it uh, that, you know, racial profiling is a big concern for me and many of the advocates. We come from all backgrounds. We come from all cultures, but we still have to save lives. And so sitting at the table with all parties involved from the beginning to get it right is what we all need to do. You know, there we we go into states and we say, you know, distracted driving does not choose like it's not a Republican issue or a Democratic issue or an independent issue. You can be hit no matter what you are. So it's something that we all have to sit at the table and figure out what is best for our state. And that's where Virginia did a great job. You know, the the Black Caucus came out in support of this bill.
0: And And that was really a turning point for the law when the Virginia Legislative Black Caucus came out in support of at least one of its members was a sponsor of the bill. That really helped get it it through.
1: And that's leadership right there. Knowing you have a problem that it could be difficult to solve, but going to the table and making it work. So, yes, the, the Black Caucus members showed leadership to go in there and do what is right to protect their communities, as well as the road safety community came to the table, what needs to happen to to protect road safety. And when everyone meets together and works together, you can do things to save lives. And so, yes, January, your law goes into effect hopefully um, and the thing with distracted driving I have a feeling law enforcement would love to never write a single ticket for this infraction
0: that would be a I mean, successful law you know if, yes, if nobody got stopped that would be a successful law
1: that's the goal these officers when it comes to this issue they're pulling you over because they don't want to have to knock on your door to give a death notification yeah that's how serious distracted driving is. It can happen at any time, any day. I always tell people it's no longer a matter of if this is going to happen to someone you love, it's when. And so uh, everyone working together can help create a solution that is equitable for everyone. And again, like you said, in there, as it checks and balances on the law, there is a provision in there to go and to check the data to make sure that this is being enforced adequately across all populations. And if it's not, then you fix it. And so, yeah, that's where the Virginia law is really going to become a template as we go into this 2021 session. We now have 24 states plus D.C., Puerto Rico, Guam that have hands-free laws. So we have 26 more states we need to pass these laws in. And so the provisions in this Virginia bill are gonna be a big help across the country to show that we could do better. And, and quite honestly, I, I feel that it also could help on the profiling issue a bit because it does erase the loopholes. You know, before you could hold your phone to dial or you could hold your you could actually post on Facebook or Snapchat, you know, or Instagram while you're driving because a lot of these laws in the states for texting, are literally for texting only you can be on social media as much as you want but you just can't text and so by expanding the language to you cannot have the phone in your hand at all it 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 erases all the loopholes so you hopefully cannot be profiled by well i saw you with your phone well i was just dialing or i was just doing this or i was just holding it now if the phone is not in your hand you are not in violation of right
0: the law. there there's no amb- yeah there's no ambiguity to the law it's it's either in your hand or it's not correct so there's no and- well i didn't understand what the law or uh, i was doing this and that doesn't apply but i got pulled over and that's not right it's if it's in your hand It's against the law. There's just, there's no ambiguity at all.
1: Right. And that's where we have seen from the other states that that's what's needed. And then also going back on the profiling issue, because this is an issue that's very near and dear to my heart as well, is looking at the cities where we've instilled or city ordinances for hands-free that are written in the same way or states that have had these laws in effect we have looked we have checked on complaints for profiling and they aren't there we don't have the data showing that there has been an issue because it like we said it's a, it's taking away that ambiguity it's clear so far it's working
0: jennifer what somebody who's listening they're like well i maybe haven't lost a family member thank god but i i would like to get more involved or I'm, i want to get more information what, what can the average person do?
1: Well, the first thing they can do is lead by example. Continue to practice those safe driving behaviors and exhibit them in front of others. Hold people you love accountable. Speak up. But also be aware of what's going on around us and the driving situations you know we are becoming more addicted to our phones more drivers are on their phones we're more distracted behind the wheel not even with our phones because we're thinking about so much we're worried about so much so we all just need to get back to basics when you're behind the wheel think about the ones you love Think about who you care about, and you don't want them to have to live without you. You don't want anything to happen to them. We all have to work together on this. We are constantly gonna be getting more addicted to our phones, so we're gonna have to work even harder to get off them and you know, hold each other accountable. Every day, you have to remind yourself, don't use the phone behind the wheel because you will, oh, I'll just do it real quick. Everyone will make that excuse. Oh, well, it won't hurt if I do this real quick. And that's going to start the habit again. So we just really all have to be active. We have to remind each other. If you do want to get involved and become an advocate going out, reach out to us at stopdistractions.org. You know, reach out to your community. See see what's going on around there. Drive Smart Virginia has so many programs around the state that they do that they exemplify pure leadership <laughs> you guys do in road safety i mean there's toolkits i know you have on your on the drive smart virginia website you can download that give you things you could take to your company you know does your company have a policy go talk to them about starting one or just doing an awareness campaign you know there is no limit to what people can do but we all just need to realize we all can do something you know, don't think anything is anything is too small and don't think it anything is, oh, well, I could never do that. That's too much. You know, we all have a part to play and we can all help each other stop this from happening because we don't want anyone to walk in our shoes over something as simple as an LOL text message.
0: Our guest has been Jennifer Smith. She's co-founder of StopDistractions.org visit the site. You'll learn a lot. And uh, also, you can visit our our website, of course, drivesmartva.org. Jennifer, thank you so much for your time and for what you do.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me and for doing what you do as well. Because like you said, I'm the advocate who lost someone that, that brought me into this. But it's the people that haven't that dedicate their lives to this that matter and that really keep us going. So I thank you all. And to anyone listening, that means so much to us as well. So thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to The Road We Travel, a production of Drive Smart Virginia, a 501c3 traffic safety nonprofit based in Richmond, Virginia. Visit our website, drivesmartva.org. And follow us on social media, drivesmartva on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Join us next time on The Road We Travel.